0: we well, 're going to continue in our series of, of faith to move forward and today we're going to stay in the book of Hebrews uh, we're going to be talking about the life of Abraham. The book of Hebrews is written uh, to Hebrew people and uh, to encourage them and persuade them what it would mean to follow Jesus and trying to and in this in this chapter he's talking it's the, the, the Hall of Faith, chapter 11. And in this hall of faith, the author is highlighting these patriarchs, these people who all the Hebrew people looked at as champions and heroes of the faith. As they waited for the Messiah to come, they looked to these people as examples to follow and examples to emulate as people's lives to build after. And so they looked at at Moses and they looked at Enoch and they looked at Abraham and they're like, that is how you live this life of faith. And the author of Hebrews is building a case that you've been looking for the Messiah, the Messiah came, his name is Jesus, and you need to respond to him the same way that Abraham responded to the voice of God. The same way Enoch walked with God, you need to walk with Jesus. The way Abraham responded to God, you need to walk with Jesus. The way Moses responded to God, you need to walk with him the way Moses did. And so he's building this case for these people to go all in on Jesus. Because they've been waiting for someone to come and be the Messiah, to be the deliverer. And the the author's like, you don't, don't miss it. He's here. He's not what you expected. It's better and different than you expected. So I can see how you might not want it, but it, but it's, but this is it. And this is how you ought to respond. And so he's coaching them. Have you ever had somebody coach you on how to respond in a moment? (laughs) My wife and I have this really funny thing. Sometimes I have a hard time understanding uh, my role in in a, in an environment, like in a in a situation or a, a circumstance, so I don't know the weight the weight that my words might carry or won't carry in an environment, and so it's kind of funny. So sometimes my my wife she'll coach me. She'll go, "Hey, just so you know, when we're going into this, this is who you are in this setting, and this is how you should respond if one of these things happens." And it's like, "Oh, that's really helpful." You know, sometimes it's 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 like, "Hey, you can go to sleep on the couch. Nobody cares that you're there." Right Just check out, lock yourself in a room, and then other times she 's like, "Hey, if you go into a room, lock the door and shut it you 're you're, you're like severing relationships, so just be real careful there' it's thank God for our wives, right amen. She helps me there wasn 't much of an amen there amen <laughs> hey that that was your chance thank you. hey I 'll say it this way, Thank God for our wives, they help us yeah. amen <laughs> man this is we, we need a marriage. hey if <laughs> Somebody put a marriage meeting on the council, on the calendar for us. Our wives help us. Amen. Whoa! <laughs> oh, this is stressful. Yo. I got a sermon I gotta preach, but I got a sermon I want to preach. <laughs> So, so, anyway, so what the author of Hebrews is doing, he's like, hey, I want to help you respond well to this thing because you might not understand what's actually occurring. And since you don't understand what's occurring, you might not respond best. You might miss the move of God. Have you ever missed a move of God because you were expecting something else? Yes. My wife and I were believing to get set free from some debt. And so, you know, it came in the form of some encouragement to eat rice and beans and to not go out on dates. I didn't miss that advice. I wanted to ignore it. But it was wisdom for my season. And it's a season that we kind of tuck back into every once in a while when medical bills get high or other things happen. We tuck back into it. We're like, hey, we know how to do this. We know how to believe God for supernatural provision and we know how to eat rice and beans. And every time we eat rice and beans, somehow miraculous provision comes. Every time we eat rice and beans, we get that gift out of nowhere. We get that refund we didn't need. We get that medical bill crossed out. The insurance decides to pay for something they weren't going to pay for. Every time we exercise our faith and cooperate with God, God is pleased to surprise us by providing for us. And that is what... And that is what the author of Hebrews is doing for the people. He's like, I want you to respond right because there's something extraordinary available to you. But you've got to respond. You have to step into this. You have to lean into it or you're going to miss out on all that God has for you. And that brings us to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. So if you could please stand and we'll read this together. And I want you to say the word faith with conviction because this is a faith series. All right? So by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. This is God's word to us. Father, we thank you for the example of Abraham. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your inspiration. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive and active, that you are moving in this place. And I ask that you would convict our hearts, that you would awaken our minds to the reality of your purposes and your kingdom uh, that is ever before us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage is, is remarkable. It's just one verse, and we're going to spend our time in this verse with a couple of references outside of it, briefly. But God calls Abraham to go to a place he didn't know, to become a man he couldn't be without going, to receive an inheritance he wouldn't have if he didn't go and become the man that God had called him to be. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how, how, he, um, how he was called, he was committed, and in some ways he was clueless. Right? In some ways, he was clueless. What we see is that Abraham, uh, it was, he, God comes to him and God speaks to him. And then it's by blank that he obeyed. I'm going to be directing the guys in the back for the slides. It's by blank that he obeyed. Now, we've had this, a similar slide almost every week for a couple months now. So we know what goes in the blank. But here's the thing. I often find that my biggest struggle in life is that I want to shove everything else I can into that blank. I want to be, by rice and beans, I got set free from my, from my debt. By my own effort, by my own strategy, by my own cleverness, by that TED talk, by that YouTube video, by that exercise regimen, I was set free. And so I think we need to constantly challenge ourselves to make sure that in these places where faith is supposed to rest and stand up and be glorious and wonderful and excellent, that we don't put other things in its place that are just an imitation of what God is trying to do. And so we know that it's by faith that Abraham obeyed. It wasn't his skill. It wasn't even how quickly he obeyed, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. How quickly he obeyed is pretty extraordinary. It wasn't by any of he obeyed because of his faith. Family, I think so often we, we, we are so earthly minded that, that we forget that God wants to interfere with our lives in a, in a glorious way. God desires to, to step into the 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 everyday reality of your life he wants to step into your workplace and deal with those relationships he wants to step into your household and deal with those relation and, and help and deal i say deal with those relationships as if it's all bad god wants to step in and breathe life into situations where there's death he wants to bring healing and please in situations where there's wounding he wants to bring inspiration in places where there's staleness god wants to step into the everyday life and the mundane things that we think that we have have to build up and take care of everything ourselves but that's that's not that's not the case. God is looking for us to express faith. And so I'm not sure what Abraham knew when he responded in faith. I'm not sure what he knew about God in that moment. God comes to him and calls him. We'll talk about that in just a second. But, but he, was, he was living here, and he was living in the time of the patriarchs, which meant that he was probably, uh, Noah was alive. Their, their lives overlapped a little bit, but, and Noah's sons overlapped. And Abraham was about 10 generations after Noah. And, but he would have heard the story of the flood. Whole earth flood or regional flood doesn't matter. He knew about it, and he knew the people who got off the boat. And so we kind of wonder sometimes, how do we know that this story is reliable? How do we know that this account is reliable? Well, for a long time, they sat around the campfire and they told each other about it because they were there. And it's a reliable story. It's a reliable witness because the people who were on the ark would have been able to tell Abraham about it. Now, Abraham was living in a pagan place, so he was living in a place with his family that had resisted the God who redeemed Noah, and they were worshiping other gods. They were worshiping, they might have mistaken the God who Noah followed and served as a a regional God, as a God who had some limited power, as a God who did some some sort of deliverance, but now they they weren't dependent on him alone. They They were looking to these other gods and these other their spiritual powers and forces, and they were worshiping them. And then, and then, but they would have heard these stories, and they would have, they would have known that this thing happened, and that there was this God who delivered Noah and delivered everybody else, and that's why we're here. But now we've got these other gods, so we don't need them anymore. It's kind of like what we do in our society a little bit, right? There was that God that they needed, but we've got prescriptions. Yeah. We have science. We have, uh, we have uh, astrophysicists who are speculating about all these things, so we don't need God anymore. But having those things doesn't mean that we don't need God. And so um, they, had these, they had these stories that they passed down from generation to generation. Somebody asked me uh, recently, actually one of my kids came to me and said, hey, somebody in the neighborhood said that uh, the book of Genesis and the Bible, it's just a story. What do I, what do I say? He said, let them know that all they've got is a story too. Really, in the, at the end of the day, what we have is, is that you, you're going to buy into a narrative. You're going to buy into a story. The only question is whose story is it that you're going to buy into? Whose narrative are you going to accept? And for what reason are you going to accept it? I'm buying into the Bible narrative and the Bible story, if not for its miraculous uh, like consistency through all the generations. I was, at the, I was at the Museum of the Bible, and they've got this scroll of Isaiah that's word for word, basically, what it had been a 1,000 years previously. And that version was 2,000 years old. And so you're sitting here and like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, what we talk about, you know, if somebody talks to you about versions of the Bible are changed and translations are changed, then really, it's, it's, it's still accurate if it's a translation now sometimes you get an interpretation you know like like the message is not a Bible, is not a translation it's an interpretation so a guy's kind of rounding the edges and letting you know generally what's being said and what it means but when you talk about translations everybody's working from the same text that have been worked with for generations and generations it's not being changed we did, the sentences are just in a different structure the uh the uh this verse in uh the new american standard version says by faith Um, comma, when he was called to go out, Abraham obeyed, or by faith, Abraham, comma, when he was called to go out, comma, obeyed God. It's the same sentence. It's just got a lot more commas. They're using the same text. The New American Standard guys said, hey, we're going with the most literal thing we can, so pull out your commas. We're going comma crazy. And they slap, if you read, I I use too many commas when I write. And it was a huge revelation for me this week that the reason I use so many commas when I write is because I grew up reading the New American Standard Version of the Bible. (laughs) I didn't need any other punctuation. I was like, periods, optional, semicolons, doesn't matter. I'm dropping commas all over the place. The paint is worn off of my comma button on my computer because I love commas. The NASB loves commas because of how they chose to translate it. The ESV, what they did for us is they kind of rounded out the edges on this thing. And so what we do is, but, but anyway, that's totally an aside. But what we have is we've got a story. And the question before us is it's ever before us is which story are you going to accept? And for what reason will you accept it? I like, okay, we'll stay here. I like, I like, I don't just like, I love, I cherish, I treasure, I believe, I trust this narrative, this story. Because of the historicity of it, because of the archaeology of it. They didn't even think Abraham and those guys existed for a long time. Until after World War I, when some excavation was done and they found some temples and they found some palaces. And they were like, well shoot, look at that, they lived. And it was a shock to everybody who, through biblical criticism is what they call it, decided that it can't be because we didn't have any evidence. It was just buried. They had to they had to find it. And then it was and then it was proven. So it's pretty exciting. Guys, this is exciting. It's invigorating. So I'm going with the story because our story allows science to exist. The story that many people are telling today on the college campus and in other places is, is this, this is the story and God can't exist. And so if you're just playing the odds, if you're in here this morning and you're playing the odds and you're like, do I want God or science? I'd go with the God narrative because it includes science. Science fits inside of it because God created everything in an orderly fashion in a consistent way that allows us to study and to know and to test and retest and to get consistent results when something's true. So that would be kind of like faith to play the odds. (laughs) But if you're playing the odds, I'm going with the one that's more encompassing, not the one that says this one can't exist because I haven't experienced it yet. And so we see it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. He heard this. We don't know what he knew, but we knew he knew something. He knew enough to respond. Faith is a response to what we know. And here he goes. He says, yes, God, I will go. To a place. I'm going to respond to this. I'm going to commit. I'm going all in on this thing. I believe in what you're saying. And I'm going to follow you. Even though I don't have all the details. The difference between ambition and faith is which one initiates the action. Come on. Faith is always a response to God doing something first. Ambition is oftentimes what starts with us. Yeah. What I want is oftentimes very, very different than what God wants. And the texture and the feeling of my pursuit of that thing is very telling. This word, uh, when he was called, is a present participle. It's a, it basically means that when he was being called. So it's almost like the call was still going, and Abraham's like, I'm in. I'm in. Noah went in on it. I'm going in on this. I recognize that voice. This sounds like a story I should have. This, this sounds like the, 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 the voice of God that I had heard about. It sounds stronger, more present, more broad than anything else. And God speaks to him and he's like, I'm in. Like packing his bags while he's getting the news. Kind of like, yeah, 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 got, got it, got it, let's go. And my question for us is, have, have we ever responded to that God that, that eagerly? With that much anticipation and expectation? You don't have, I mean sometimes sometimes it takes us a minute. We've got Thomas in the Bible who's like, I need to, I need to, I need to put my hands on this side. I need to touch this thing before I believe He was he was taking some time. But and God gave him that opportunity, and he did, and He saw and He said, Yes. yes. So some of us it takes a minute. But what I want to do is I want to encourage you that if God is speaking to you in an area of your life and He's saying you need to believe here, jump in. Mm-hmm. Jump in while He's still calling. So while he was called, he did it. And we don't see God consult Abraham and said, Champ, tell me your 10-year plan. (laughs) What are you up to? We think that, like, when, when we read these biblical narratives, sometimes what we do is we pretend that they're not people. Or we pretend that they're not people like we are people. And so we're like, well, Abraham didn't have anything to do. He's like throwing rocks, you know, like he didn't have a life. No, he had had a life and he had a plan and he had a people and he had a purpose and he and he was doing he was successful. He had resources. So for him to move was a significant thing. And but we, we we read this and we go, oh, so Abraham was sitting down doing nothing with no expectation, with no heart desires, with no heart cries, with, you know, nothing happening. And then God comes in and gives him purpose where he didn't have anything. No, he probably had a purpose, a pretty clear purpose that he liked and he designed. And then God jumps in and he's like, hey, new plan. And Abraham responds quickly by saying, whatever your plan is, I'll take that over my plan. Many of us are in this room today because we've had a similar thing. We had a plan. But God called us to something new. And he changed, he changed the play. And we're like, wait, I thought we were doing this. And he's like, no, no <laughs> you, were, you were doing that. <laughs> That's not what I was doing. I was doing something entirely different. Now, the call of God is, is, uh, is, a, is a difficult thing to discern sometimes for our own lives. And the call of God, sometimes it sounds like a sermon. Sometimes, uh, you know, that thing that echoes in your heart where something's being said from the front in an offering message or in worship exhortation or when we open or close the service or during this moment where God's speaking to you and he's, and he's highlighting things that you've been thinking about all week. And you're like, oh, man is what I got to do. That's God speaking. Don't miss it. That's the Holy Spirit pressing on your heart. Don't just, dis, don't just disregard it as any coincidence. I wonder how many moves of God have been missed because we thought it was just a coincidence. How many moves of God we've missed because we, we just thought that it was interesting that everybody was saying the same thing at the same time, but we didn't jump in because we didn't, we didn't trust it. We were waiting for the writing on the wall. I promise you, when the writing is on the wall, it's a problem. Like, those things don't happen in the Bible when things were good. <laughs> right? It's not, God, that's not the, the plan, that's not the way that the Holy Spirit desires, I think, to lead us. He, he wants to lead us with gentleness, and he wants to lead us through, by, by us responding in faith. But he'll, write on the wall, he'll allow calamity to come into your life if, if we don't respond when, when he interrupts our, our convenient lives. So sometimes it sounds like a sermon. Sometimes it sounds like a whisper. Sometimes it's just this kind of thought that just kind of passes by, right? And you're like, but the thought keeps coming by. You know, especially when you're praying, especially when you're reading your Bible, especially when you're just driving or when you get it quiet. Now, now I think, I wonder how much of the, the inspiration of God and how many movements of God are going to be missed in our generation because we, well, the radio was on or we had, we had Netflix and we had Hulu and I heard Walmart's trying to get into the streaming business. They're not doing it for your benefit. Just, right? They're doing it because they want to make your money. They want your money. That's why those things exist, but we, but like, we'll, we'll leave it on and we're like, well, this is so good for me. Like, cause it just, it keeps me entertained and stimulated, but it might be keeping you from the thing that you need to hear the most. Yes. I'm, I, I had this moment last fall and I've talked about it a couple times, but where, where I was terrified to, to realize how much I know about, you know, the, the football season and how little I actually know about the Bible. And the football season changes every year and the Bible hasn't changed in like 2000 years. Right? I, was, I was staggered when, when I watched I, I binge watched "The Season of the Flash," and then because I was feeling fresh, I jumped into the next season. <laughs> like in a couple days, I was like, "Let's go." And I was like, "I need to binge in the Bible." Yeah, right? And you know what I figured out? I, I've, I've only read this, and I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago I, I've read that it takes 70 hours to read the Bible out loud. Wow. That's it, just 70 hours. Does that, I don't know if that sounds like a lot or a little bit to you, but that's just a few days. And so there's going to be a Bible challenge, I think, where I want, to, I want us to read the Bible out loud for 24 hours, like have people in the room, like we did with the prayer meeting. Yes. But like to read the Bible all the way. And I nominate JC for the genealogies. Because <laughs> he was the only one amening. He's the only one excited about it. <laughs> so you get all the chefs and thefts. And theft and theft. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, shoot, shoot, we're going to do this. It happened right now. And that marriage meeting. We need that marriage meeting. That Sometimes it's a whisper and it just crosses by. But this is also why we need to, to read the word and we need to be in the Bible and we need to uh, study God's word is because in studying God's word, he gives us, he gives us a, a vocabulary to use. Right? I mean, God will use anything. He'll use, he'll use TV shows. He'll use the flash to minister to you and be like, hey, just like in the flash, I want to move you from one place to another or something. Right? God will use that, but God's preferred language is from the Bible, and he'd, he'd much rather be like, hey, I'm calling, I'm calling you like I called Abraham to get up and go. Yeah. Right? He'd, he'd much rather use that language, but he'll use he'll use Everything. Sometimes it's a burden. This is largely how God inspires me. This is how he presses me. And, um, you know, it took other people to help me understand that that was God speaking. Because what would happen is I'd be, I'd feel this thing and I'd talk about this thing. And then I'd be talking. But but it was like this routine. And then then somebody helped me. They were like, hey, that feeling that you have where you're almost frustrated now, that it's because God's been speaking to you for a while and you haven't yielded to it yet. All you're doing is talking about it. You're not yielding to it. So when you have that burden and you want to talk about it, you need to respond quickly and start obeying it and start walking in it. Don't just start talking about it. And the sooner you talk about it, the sooner that burden is going to be released and the more full you're going to feel in Jesus. Amen. So some of you, were are going to feel burdens and it's going to press on your heart and God's going to lead you that way. But, you, but when you have these burdens and when God's whispering something or when he speaks something to you, we do have a community to help us test it hey, I'm feeling burdened for this. I, you know, this is, what do you see? Does this resonate with you? Sometimes other people will be hearing better than you're hearing about yourself. And you'll hear like 18 people will come up to you and say the same thing. And you're like, whatever, I'm not listening to you. (laughs) But sometimes, sometimes in the community, it won't just work that they confirm what you're hearing, but they'll, they'll speak to you from the outside to help you see and hear what you were missing. Um, let's keep going so I don't know what he I don't know what he knew about God but he, he responded and he took off and he said he said yes to this he obeyed and he obeyed quickly he went out can you imagine what that sounded like at the dinner table he's like so uh God spoke to me <laughs> and he said to leave my country and my family and go to a place that he's going to give me it in as, as an inheritance and they're like great what place is that I don't know But it's going to be great. (laughs) And, And he obeyed. He committed to this thing. He went in on it. He's like, he's like, I'm going. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to trust that God's going to show me what I need to know when I need to know it. There's this kind of on the need, as the need to know basis, on the need to know basis. You ever been in one of those environments? We'll tell you when you need to know. Do with my kids all the time. Maybe God didn't tell Abraham that because if he had told Abraham that, he would have just hurried to the inheritance and he would have missed the process of following that turned him into man that was worthy of receiving the inheritance. Yeah. Right? So sometimes God doesn't tell us where exactly he's telling us to land because what he, he's interested in the process between here and there so that he can prepare you to be who it is that you need to be when you get there. Maybe you haven't gotten that promotion yet, even though God started, he's confirmed it in the voice of your friends because you're not the person who's ready for the promotion yet. You think you are, you feel like you are, but God's not done yet. He's got something else he wants to layer into your character, something else he wants to layer in to your life, new tools that he wants to to equip you with, relationships that aren't established yet. Things aren't teed up quite yet, but when you get there, he'll be able to tell you that you're in the right place, you're here now, and here's your inheritance. So so he goes and that would have been an awkward conversation at the dinner table. I believe that one of the reasons God moved Abraham to a new place and said, go from here to there, is because he wanted Abraham to know and understand that I'm not just a regional God, like these other gods that are being worshipped. They had these tribal gods. There was a God of this place, and a God of that place, and a God of this place. A God of sun, a God of light, a God of water, a God of soil, a God of fertility, a God of seeds, a God of fruit, a God of harvest. And he's saying, hey, I'm not a regional God. I'm not a topical God. I'm all God. I'm the God of all, and so I need you to go from here to there so that you you can see that my goodness exists there as well as it does here. Some of us have made the mistake of thinking that God only is right here and now in the moment that we're in. And God is calling us to new places and he's calling us to new things because he wants us not to have such a small view of him but to understand that he's a God who who's, who's big enough to be there also. So sometimes when God calls you to a new place and he calls you to a new environment, he calls you to a greater measure of faith, what he's he's doing is he's establishing that he's Lord and King in that place as well as this place. And that's the God that we serve. And he obeyed, and he obeyed quickly. Faith is, is evidenced by obedience. It's not his creativity that was celebrated. It wasn't his moving plan that was celebrated. It wasn't any of these other, it wasn't how he performed. It was just simply that he obeyed. He gave it the good old college try. And what I love about Abraham and the way that the scripture, it doesn't hide the things from us. He pretended that his wife was his sister twice. So it's not like Abraham nailed it and got it right all the time. He was just like, he, was, he had faith. Yeah, I'll go. And then there were times where his faith was like, bro, you could, you, he wouldn't be a, an elder in this church. <laughs> not like that. you would be like, we need some restoration. But by faith, he is our model. He's our inspiration about what it looks like to drop and to follow him. So he, so he obeyed. And then I said he, he was clueless. Not knowing where he was going. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what challenges he was going to face. And in that way he was clueless. He was going to face challenges. But he knew who he was going with. And he knew who was going to be there waiting for him on the other side. And it gave him the courage to say yes. Yes. God might call you to do what seems to you to be impossible thing or things or outrageous things. But you've got to know who you're going with and who's going to be there when you get there. Amen. And that will give you courage to do things that are otherwise impossible to do. He didn't have the details that any of us would want to make a move like that. But he went. This is the kind of thing that makes people say that blind, faith is blind and faith has to be blind because he didn't know. But one of the ways that he was clueless is that he didn't know how good God was going to be to him. We use blind faith to talk about how bad it is or how hard it is or how ambiguous it is or how there's not fact or reason for what it is that we believe. But I think the primary way that we are clueless is understanding how good God is going to be to us and how good he's been to us. And in that way he was clueless and in that way many of us are clueless. We don't appreciate how good he has been to us by giving his son Jesus to die in our place. We don't understand how good he's been to us and the inheritance that we have in Jesus because he resurrected from the dead and he didn't stay dead. Based on my experience, just speaking from my experience, I also want to say that Abraham wasn't blind. He just saw something that nobody else could see yet. God put a dream in his heart that was worth pursuing. God put a dream, dropped something down on the inside. When he spoke to Abraham, when he spoke in to the kind of, when his voice cut through all the other gods and all the other things, and and he spoke to Abraham's heart, something came alive inside of him. The light shot up in his soul, and I think he saw something that God gifted him that gave him the courage to go. So he didn't just have this abstract idea. He had a dream in his heart that God had placed there. That God fully intended to satisfy by himself with just enough of Abraham's cooperation. My hope for us as a congregation is that we could have this following testimony that by faith, I obeyed when God called. That's my deepest heart cry is that no matter what it means and no matter what it looks like, no matter where it takes us, that by faith I obeyed when God called. Now for some of you, you're not, you'd like. You know, for, for most of us, God's not calling us to, to go somewhere new. God's calling us to be something different in the place that we are. He's calling you to go back into your workplace completely different than, than you, you, were, you were on Friday. He's calling you to go back into your workplace completely, than you, completely different than you have been the last bunch of years. But by faith, I obeyed when God called. And so my hope is that we could hear the call of God, that we could respond to the call of God in faith, and we could be obedient. We could commit to this thing. We could buy into it, even without all the answers that we think we'd like to have, even without all the answers that we insist on having before we're satisfied. It's just this place where we go, you know what, I know who he is. I know, who, I, I know who he has been, I know who he said he is, and I know who he will be. And that's enough for me to jump on. Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would make us a people of faith, that this wouldn't just be a series where we talk about faith, but this would be a series where our faith grows, where we increase in courage, that expectation would rise up in our hearts, that that we would step into all that you have for us. I, I do feel you and sense you calling us to new places of faith and expectation. So I ask that expectation would rise up in our hearts, that faith would rise up in our hearts, that we we would be stirred for your kingdom, we would be stirred for your purposes every single place we step our feet. And God, that we wouldn't be satisfied to go somewhere that you're not calling us. God, that we would hear your call into our workplace. We would hear your call into our family. We would hear your call into the community and we would respond in a way that's pleasing to you in a, in a way that makes room for other people to then be able to also respond in faith in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.